Hi, my name is Callie, and on this podcast, hindsight is everything. Our goal is to look back on seasons we've been through and help prepare those about to face the same things. There's something powerful in knowing you're not alone and knowing someone has gone before you. So I gather up some great people, I ask them all the questions I can think of, and then, hopefully, by the end, we're better than when we started. I'm so happy you're here. Welcome to No One Told Me. Ryan and I got married. He asked me what I thought about fostering. It was just one of those random questions one night while we sat on the couch eating dinner and watching a Hulu show about professional mascots. In the moment, I didn't really think it was for me. Partly because I needed to know what happened to the big-headed pirate after he fell down the stadium stairs, and, you know, partly because foster care just seemed like a really big thing to do. Open your home up, attach yourself, and never know what will happen. It all just made me so nervous. But then we had our first baby and then our second. And I loved them so big, I couldn't shake the thought. There are so many kids out there who will never get to experience this kind of love. And I could change that. The thought of fostering started becoming a little more real. My friend Amy experienced little hesitation when her husband threw out the idea of opening their house to those who needed a place to call home, a safe place to land. And the story that unfolded over the following six years is so full of grace and God's timing, it will blow your mind. I can't wait for you to hear from Amy and her daughter, Lexi, and no one told me I could be a foster parent. Okay, we are going to jump into a conversation. I had asked Lexi and Amy last spring, I guess, to see if they would want to jump on the podcast. And they are busy ladies. Here we are, middle of summer. We're going to finally get to talk about a story that I knew no one told me needed to tell just because of the importance it will play in the lives of many of our listeners, if it hasn't already. We're going to talk a lot about fostering and adoption. You all have a super unique story. So I'm excited for the listeners to hear about it. But let's just start. We're going to start with some basics. Amy, I know you love having a microphone in your hand. I keep telling her a camera is going to come in here to get some video. And she has a slight panic attack. But we're going to start with you. Just tell us a little bit about yourself, some of your favorite things, your family, how you spend your free time, all that kind of stuff. Thank you for having us. We're excited to share a little bit of our story and just what the Lord's doing within our family. Our family is made up of foster and adoptive and biological children. My husband, Jeremy, and I have been married for 10 years now. When did y'all celebrate the 10th? In June. Did you do anything? We went and looked at campers. (laughs) What a good time. Our goal is to have a camper one day. My husband is set on this camper thing. We have a house Mm -hmm. to live in. Why do we need a house that rolls? I just don't, I don't see the fun in it. When I heard camping, I thought people went and put tents up. I didn't know you could buy a camper and have air conditioning and a refrigerator and take all that on the road with you. So now I was I was sold. Now you're sold? You're sold. ready for it? <laughs> because if we go anywhere, we have to have two hotel rooms. That's true. We can't That's travel anywhere. So now I'm like... Buy a camper, we can go anywhere. We now. can all be in this close proximity yes. for weeks at a yes. time if we want to. Yes. It's on top of each other. I love it. So you yes. looked at campers. We Happy 10th anniversary. Thank you. It was awesome. 
But we've been married for 10 years. We've always had a heart for fostering adoption. So right now we have seven children, three biological. That's awesome. I don't think I even knew that. Really? No, I don't think I realized it. I mean, when I see Jeremy, I give him the hardest time. Like, did you leave one behind? Or is one in the car? Or is one... (laughs) (laughs) And that's the thing. When you foster and adopt, your number changes a lot. So it's hard to keep up. (laughs) You got to keep a tally. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So people are like, well, however many kids you have now. And, you know, my best (laughs) friends don't even know. So, (laughs) but we have seven. We have three that are biological. They are our youngest and then three adopted and one still in foster care that will be adopted. That's so great. Yes. When will the one that's in foster care be adopted? Um, We don't know yet. Okay. Um, He will turn 18 in November. So we're praying it will be before he turns 18. Yeah. But either way, we're going to make it happen. Yeah. Yes. Well, you know the process by now. So I guess if if anyone can get through that adoption process. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So we're working on that. We'll see what the Lord has for us. As far as free time, I do work. So I work outside of the home at Street Hope and serve there. But then what free time I have, I usually spend planning fun activities like family nights. That would be how I really enjoy. That's a good time for you. Planning the fun nights is a good time for you. Yes. So... (laughs) Our planning chalks up to, I'll wake up one day and think, we should maybe go to the zoo. Yeah. Let's do that today. There you go. That's, that's you how we so do that. Yeah. Yes. It gets a little bit more complicated the more you add. So. That is true. It must take a lot. I just have the two. I don't yeah. have... Listen, yeah. I think I used to judge people who would use leashes on their kids, but I think mm-hmm. if I had seven... I would get those little backpack leashes that yes. are like really cute and snuggly. Yeah. I would do it like a dog walker. So. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? You, you just hold all of them in one hand. There you go. It's great. Whatever got, works. Write that down, Amy. These okay. are good ideas Thank I'm having. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> How old are your kids? Give us the ages real quick. Okay, so we go four, five, seven, 14, 15, 17, 18. Wow. Four teenagers. They eat a lot, too. I believe that. Oh, my (laughs) goodness. All right, Lexi, you're up, sis. So you're one of the daughters. Yeah. That she just was talking about. You're yes. the 18-year-old, yeah. right? Okay. Yes. I couldn't, I didn't know if you were 17 or 18 just yet. You graduated high school, right? Yeah, I graduated from South This past year. Yeah. Go Keys. I know, right? Yeah. All day. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about what you do, kind of fun stuff, that deal. Okay. Well, uh, this fall, I'm going to be attending Johnson University, so I'm super excited about that. Um, Big time. I, I wish I could go back to college. I'm I loved so it so much. ready. <laughs> Aside from that, I work a lot. I work at Chick-fil-A. I've been there for two years. I love it. I love the environment. I, do. I love to play tennis. Our family has started playing tennis, so it's a lot of fun. And I like to paint. Oh, yeah. a little bit of artsy over here. Just a little bit. <laughs> oh, I do a lot of chalkboards too. I hope my mom has Very me do good those. Yeah, <laughs> I love chalkboards, like doing chalk art. Let's jump in a little bit to your all story. So, Amy, I want you just to kind of set the scene for us. You talked about how you and Jeremy had a heart for foster and adoption. I guess my question to that, since you started there, was did you all know before you got married this is something you wanted to do? Is it something that you learned about? Is it something that, you know, how did you get to the point where you wanted to do this? That's a great question. So my story is a little bit different. When I was single, young, 20s, the Lord told me that I would be a mom to many children. And I'm looking around thinking, how is that possible, right? Because I think when the Lord tells us something, we automatically start thinking of how we can fulfill that vision that He's told us. Based on where we are now. Right. Yeah. And so the only thing I could think of not dating someone was, I guess I'm going to go work overseas in an orphanage, something like that. So fast forward years later, I met Jeremy. And then in our early conversations, 
early, you know, first few dates, we began talking and realized the Lord had given both of us a vision and a heart for the fatherless, really. Mm-hmm. And it was actually through Jeremy that I began to learn about foster care. I had grown up, I knew of maybe one family that had adopted at that mm-hmm. time growing up in my church. And so that opened a whole new world because Jeremy's parents had fostered. So he had had foster siblings. And so when we began to talk, I began to get a little nervous because I thought, oh, this is this like really fulfills the vision that the Lord gave me a long time ago. And he really began to soften my heart for that. The Lord used that to really was one of the things that he used to confirm our relationship, which was really cool. Uh, We get married and then about six, nine months into the marriage, we began talking about having children. We were probably 28, 29 about this time. And would we have children or would we foster first? We knew that was obviously the calling. And so we ended up going ahead and pursuing PATH classes, which is a training that you Mm -hmm. have for foster parents to open your home. So we ended up doing that. And we thought, you know what, we're just going to do this in the winter because it's a lot of training, get it over with. And then we're just going to do respite, which is weekend care to give foster parents a break. And so we thought, we'll just do respite for a while. And so as soon as we got opened, they called us the very next weekend and said, hey, will you do respite for these two little girls? And we said, sure, we'd love to. And then they said, oh, and by the way, we're needing a placement for their home, a place for them to go to. And we said, well, that's okay. We're just doing respite. Yeah, <laughs> so, that's great. That's we'll great. We'll have them for the weekend and we'll love them so yes, big. Yes. We'll take good care of them <laughs> and we'll pray that you find a home for them. <laughs> and so these two little girls came on Friday and stayed till Sunday. And we just fell in love. Mm. Our hearts were opened. And we immediately began to pray. And while this was not the plan that we had had, by Sunday night, Jeremy and I were looking at each other going, the only excuse I can come up with is a selfish one. You know, why can't we? And when we think of things, they were all very selfish. Mm -hmm. And so needless to say, we called Monday morning and said, hey, we would be open to taking them. And three days later, they moved in. Really? Yes. That's okay. The ages. Two girls, two and nine. And And the girl was. This is Lexi. I literally (laughs) just put that together. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. I'm doing great. I am picking up what you're putting down, Amy. I am. Yes. I love that. So I didn't realize. So Lexi was your first, like. Our very first placement. I love that so much. I didn't realize that. So Lexi, bounce over to you. I mean, tell us a little bit. I mean, as a nine-year-old what that was like, like getting to spend that weekend and then knowing, oh, I'm going to live here. Tell us, I know you've gotten to share your story quite a bit just as a foster care advocate, especially as you're getting older and older. I'm sure you'll do it more places. But what are some of the stuff you usually share with people? Well, I actually didn't know that they were trying to find a new home for me. So I knew that I was going on respite and they just made it so fun. I remember they told me they were like, we're going to go to Dollywood. And I like started crying. I was like freaking out. I was like, are you serious? Like you're going to actually take us? Like just such a big deal. And they just made it so special. Mm -hmm. I remember we left Sunday and mom had asked me, she was like, what color like would you like your room if you ever got to pick or something? And I was like, green. Like I love a green room. And we moved in and like, they, like, had picked out furniture for us, and, like, my little sister's room was custom for her. It was, like, a little princess room. Like, it was perfect, and they just made it so special mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. us, and it really encouraged me, and it just made me feel loved. And- yeah. Tell us about those first few months. You know, obviously, you have the, we're, we're a new family. We get to, you know, spend all of our time together, all that kind of stuff. Tell us that what those first few days, months, years kind of looked like all together. 
the day the girls moved in was on a Friday. My husband left on Saturday morning, I believe, with you to go to Haiti. So first Can I just days. tell you that <laughs> Haiti trip? It's the one and only time I've been on an international mission trip. And you've never gone And again. I remember Jeremy going on that. And I've one, I've never been on another one since then. <laughs> but two, I remember going as a leader. I was a leader. I'd never been out of the country. I had to get a passport for this. And I'm a leader on an international awesome. mission trip. I just, I was ready to be home. I will tell you that. I had a McDonald's double cheeseburger and a Diet Coke as soon as I got the airport. So special memories. But Jeremy left to go to Haiti. Jeremy left to go to Haiti. I had two little girls for the first time, which first week's not bad. You do a lot of appointments and a lot of just getting to know each other. It was summer. I was able to go to the pool a lot, get a lot of things they needed and just kind of settle in. I had a lot of fun times that summer. The first few weeks, though, are, are kind of what we call a honeymoon period. Mm-hmm. So everyone's on their best Everybody's behavior. Everybody's happy, feeling good. Yeah, we're she just called all. me out. <laughs> yeah, she did. You were great those first few weeks, yeah. Lexi, but then it got real. Yeah, <laughs> it did. It got real. So Lexi and a sister at the time lived with us for about 18 months. Mm-hmm. So we had some hard times during that. The Lord was very faithful. We learned a lot together. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, And I think one of the biggest things during that time as a new foster mom and as just a believer in general, I had to figure out how to handle, you know, some people had hurt these little girls that Mm -hmm. were in my house. What did I do with my anger? Mm -hmm. That was probably one of the biggest things becoming a foster parent that I had to realize, like, I have anger towards mm-hmm. people that have hurt these children. And so how do I deal with that? Mm-hmm. And so the Lord was very sweet to just reveal himself very clearly then during that time and remind me that he created them and he loves them just as much. And this was never the goal. Foster care was never the goal, right? But he is providing in the midst of, mm-hmm. of all of this. That was probably my biggest struggle there in the beginning, mm-hmm. especially those first few months yeah. to figure out. So they were with you for 18 months. 18 months. Right. What happened at 18 months? Mm-hmm. After 18 months, they were reunited and went back to family. Mm -hmm. And it was about a year in, we had actually been asked to adopt because it looked like we were going that direction. And then out of nowhere, things changed. And then they were quickly kind of rushed back home. That's one of the things that Ryan and I talk a lot about because we've talked about foster care several times. And he says to me, you're not going to be able to give up the kids. They will come and live with you for 18 months and you grow attached and you love them. And then, you know, they go back to their families. Maybe that's one of their biggest fears. Absolutely. I don't want to have to give up this child that I attach myself to. How did you navigate that? A couple of things. God's grace. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, if there wasn't a time for God to prove more that he was strong and capable of giving me the grace to walk through that, I mean... I learned so much about how much he cares for me during that time Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. he, yes, there's a grieving process. Absolutely. You don't get a choice. This isn't up to you. This is what you signed up for. And so it's something that you sign up for knowing that it's going to be painful at times. But here's what I had to think about. These two little girls didn't get a choice. Yeah. Either way, they were going to be in somebody's home Mm -hmm. and they were going to be away from their family going through a very traumatic time. The very least I could do is open up and give them a home and care for them and give them the best experiences and teach them and love on them during this most traumatizing time of their Mm -hmm. life. And so that was my role. So, yes, it came to an end at one point, but God was extremely graceful and took care of us throughout that. Lexi, tell us a little bit about that 18 months, just being there with them for that first 
year and a half, what that was like from your perspective and just kind of the mountains you climbed in that season? For me, honestly, it was kind of a learning experience too, because I was not used to this, like, wake up, mom and dad, like have breakfast for you. Mm. Like they drive you to school. Like you don't get picked up by the bus. Like they took us to school. Also, I had raised my sister for whenever she was a newborn up to about a year and a half Mm. to where we had entered foster care for the very first time. So my two previous foster homes before that didn't really take away the role of being a mom from me. But Amy and Jeremy, they definitely like had to reteach me like how to be a child. And Mm -hmm. I really thought it was my responsibility. Like I'd be like, okay, Caitlin, it's time to go take a bath. And I'd be like, no, like it's okay, Lex, like we got this. Mm. But they definitely just reminded me how to be a child. I wouldn't even say reminded me. They taught taught me how to be a child. And (laughs) it was whenever I did go back home after those 18 months, like that was my childhood. Like whenever I thought about childhood, like I thought about the 18 months. Like I didn't Mm. didn't think about like whenever I was six years old, like blah, blah, blah. Like I thought about the 18 months with them. And Mm. that was really the only childhood I had. So you went, what were you, 12, 11, 12 when you went? I was, was just about to turn 11. And so when did you end up back with the McCamuses. Um, right before my 16th. So yes. tell us that story about how. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she, what that was like for you. I mean, what that, I mean, I can just imagine you've said, okay, my time with them is done. Like I've poured in all I can. Did you still have contact? Did you still, I don't know what that process looks like for a foster parent. Yeah, it looks different for every family, mm-hmm. every story. Some families were able to love on them and mentor and just be fun aunt and uncle. When they go back and sometimes parents will break off that communication. And in this case, we were not really allowed by family to interact mm-hmm. or have communication. And so we always prayed for the girls, obviously, but we didn't know what was going on with them. And as much as I missed them and wanted them to come home, I knew that that meant things had to be horrible for them. to be able to re-enter. And so I never wanted that for them, right? You're really at a sticky Mm -hmm. place because you want them, but yet you don't want them to have to to get them. Yeah, Right. You don't want them to have to go through that Mm -hmm. in order to be back. She was gone for five years and we had little to no conversation at all with her, maybe just a few texts here or there towards the five-year mark. But we ran into Lexi. We were on a date night, which never happens. So you know it's of the Lord. (laughs) (laughs) We were actually on a date at a restaurant, and I thought, man, she looks really familiar from the back. Is this (laughs) this little girl that I, I know so well? And sure enough, it was her. And so we were able to to catch up for about an hour that night. She came and sat with us, and we just reminded her how much we love her and care about her. And although she's not with us right now, her pictures still hang on our wall, and we pray for and care about her, and she will always be a part of our family. So we were able to give her that message that night and just remind her of all those things. Little did we know a week later, and I'll let you kind of pick up right there, a week later, a DCS worker, like, came to my school. I knew, like, the gist of it. Like, we were headed to the DCS office. In this five years, I had a brother. He was born. And him and my sister, they have the same father. So their great-grandparents wanted to take them in. Like, I knew what that meant for me. Mm-hmm. I was going to have to re-enter. And I was like, wait, like, like before we get there, like, mm-hmm. I have a phone number. Like, just call them. Like, I was just thinking in my head, like, they, they told me, like, I was welcome back. And I just really mm-hmm. hung on to that promise. And sure enough, she called and I sat in the DCS office, like just by myself, just waiting to hear back for about five hours. 
and just dwelling on it. And I got to move in that night. Yeah. So I get a call from the former DCS worker who had been on her case the first time. And I thought, oh, I'm in trouble for talking to her at that <laughs> restaurant because yeah. it had just been a week <laughs> right, since you saw her. Right. Why yeah. is she calling now? Oh, something, you know, ridiculous. And so I ignored it. <laughs> I was going to say, like, I mean, I was gonna, did you ignore the phone sorry, call? I was going to ask answering. you. <laughs> I don't have time I'm to get reprimanded for, for having yeah. a conversation yeah. in a restaurant. So I didn't answer. And then I get a text from her and she says, hey, Lex is coming back into custody. Would you want her to come to your home and I couldn't text back fast enough Mm -hmm. and I called her and you know whenever phone calls come in for placement Jeremy and I always talk we talk Mm -hmm. even if I know I'm going to say no I always talk to him yeah funny story sometimes he hasn't said no when I was confident we were saying no and you know (laughs) (laughs) that's another story for sure no but let me call my husband make sure it's a (laughs) definite no so this time I knew I didn't even have to call Jeremy Mm -hmm. you know this was our girl like she was always already part of our family. So I didn't even have to call him. And I called DCS right back and said, yes, can I come? Can I get her? Can I come right now? So probably about four hours later, she showed up about 10, 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. They brought her and it was the time I never thought, honestly, I thought that day had passed, you yeah. know, and here she was walking right back into our home and to our family and our lives. And we had changed a lot by then. We had, you know, when she left, it was just her and her sister. Yeah. And so now we had... I can't remember, but I think five. five. That's what I was going to Lexi knows. Well, that's what I was going to ask you is in that five years that she was away, how did your family change? And then to follow that up, Lexi, after your mom answers that, what was that like for you to come into a household that looked completely different than what you had known? So our family had changed a lot. Kids had come, kids had left, kids had been born. By that time, we had three biological, and then we had had adopted two at that time. And so, yeah, things had changed a lot uh, during those five years yeah. for us. What was that like, Lexi, to walk into a house that went from having zero kids, you were the first, to there were five there? I mean, someone probably think like jealousy, but I was overjoyed just to be home and with them having Mm. five kids for them to welcome a sixth kid into it. I loved it. The only thing that was definitely hard for me was being separated from my siblings and them going to what we call a kinship home because they were family. Um, That was the only thing that really nagged on me. But I'm so used to having siblings too. So it it helped having those relationships with them whenever I couldn't have the relationships with my brother Mm -hmm. and my sister. So So then did the adoption process start? I mean, what does that look like to go from fostering to adoption? What's Are the timelines all different? Is it all the paperwork different? What does that usually look like? I think you've done it a few times. A few times. (laughs) And every time and everyone I've walked with on this journey, the timelines are so different. Mm -hmm. And they'll say six months and then it'll be another 12 months. You can't really put a timeline on it. It's really hard. And so, and in this case, we had two other siblings that were with another home. And so we really had no idea. This time, what changed it is that she was 16. Mm -hmm. She turned 16 about two weeks after moving in so she had more of a say so yeah before when she didn't want to go back she didn't really get to make that choice now when she said she didn't want to go back the courts won't force her to Mm. and so we didn't really expect her to leave but we also didn't know if she would have permanency so for us she came in December it was not until the following October that surrenders were given and she was freed up to be adopted. Yeah. And then she was adopted the following year. So you have to wait for the parents to say, 
I'm okay if someone adopts this child. Is that what surrenders means? So surrender, it can happen two ways. Their rights can be terminated, Mm -hmm. uh, meaning that's not their choice, but their rights are taken away. um, And that's a long process, terminating parental rights. Um, For In this case, a parent was able to sign a paper releasing her. Okay. uh, Releasing her legal rights for Lexi to be adopted. Yeah. And so that happened a little less than a year, about 10 months after she had re-entered. So outside of the obvious ways that your life is different, you know, you you moved in with a, a family that loved you so much, that you loved so much. I mean, there's obvious ways, but how has this process shaped both of you? I mean, I know obviously, Lexi, you've just done it the one time, but the several times that you've done it, Amy, how has it shaped you, your life, your family? And Lexi, how has it shaped who you're going to become? All of those things. How would you answer that question? For me, I definitely know. I, I think I know what my calling is. <laughs> um, I I mean, as of now, even I'm I'm advocating for foster kids around. I think for me, the first time I was in care, my mom had said, like, I didn't really get to advocate for myself. Now, I definitely tried. I wrote letters. I mean, I talked to my guardian at Lydam. I tried to do everything just to not have me go back. And the second time, like being able to have a voice for myself, mm-hmm. it really helped me. But there are children out there who are my age mm-hmm. And who were my age the first time, too. Like, there are younger children who know that they should not go home. And there is no one out there to advocate for them. And then there's some who are too scared. And then there's some who are just so easily swayed by biological parents. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, like, they are their biological parents. There were relationships there beforehand. And a child doesn't realize what's healthy and what's unhealthy for them. They just realize what's comfortable for them. So I definitely just want to advocate for children and give them the best that they can have family-wise. I mean, not saying that I didn't want to go back to my biological mother. Of course I did. I wanted her to get Mm -hmm. better, and I wanted to have a family. Like, I had dreamed of that, but I knew that that was never going to happen and that I couldn't have a childhood and, like, what I wanted with her, so. What does it look like to advocate for these kids? I mean, how are you able to do that, or how will you in the future be able to do that? Well, right now, I do foster care advocacy boards, so I just sit on the board, like a panel. People ask me questions. I share my story. I share my testimony. That's all I can really do right now. What I plan, what I'm hoping to do, I'm going to Johnson, so I want to get, like, a psych major, and I don't know where the word's going to call me with that. Like, I could be a guardian at Lydam. I could Mm -hmm. be a child advocacy lawyer. I mean, I could be pulled into a different organization. Like, I have no idea where he's going to call me with that. But I know, I know my calling is to help children in foster care Mm -hmm. and just give them hope. That's, I know that's what I'm here for. I know Mm -hmm. that's what my story is for, too. Mm -hmm. So, Amy, how about you, just in the terms of how this whole thing has shaped you and your family. I mean, she was, I love that she was your first, the, the first, <laughs> your first dabble in foster care and yeah. you still have her. Yes. This doesn't happen often. Yeah. I mean, DCS would always say it's our goal to reunite them. If they can't go to family, then yeah, let's look at the former foster parents. But many years had passed. A lot of times foster families have closed their homes or more children have been placed there or they're just not reached out to because that's happened. Other kids have come back in custody and they didn't even call me. So that does happen. The fact that she's back with us, the Lord brought her here and has purpose in that. And so how has foster care shaped me? I would say the biggest thing is that I know more about who the Lord is having been obedient to what he's called me to do, even though it's been hard and completely 
something I, I don't, I wouldn't choose to put myself in these positions, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't choose to have pain. I wouldn't choose to watch pain happen. I would choose more comfortable things. Mm-hmm. But allowing him to lead and guide and direct our family in the ways that he sees fit, bring kids in, kids leave, kids, more kids come in. It's not the story I would have written, <laughs> right? Yeah. I would have chosen for her to to stay with us and not ever had to go back to a hard environment and circumstances. I now, because I've been through all this and I've seen the Lord's hand, I know He's faithful. I know He's trustworthy. I know that He he will provide grace. I know that He will renew my strength. I know that He has a bigger plan and purpose than any of us. You know, when He says, my thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are not your ways. So true. But just walking this hard journey has taught us he can be trusted with anything. So I think that's the biggest thing. And so now situations come up at work or at home or just in life in general, I have this to fall back on. The Lord is faithful. Yeah. I mean, you just did it. You just answered the next question yourself. But what I was going to say is um, when you look at the whole journey, how can you trace God's hand? And I'm going to steer that towards you, Lexi. I mean, when you think through your whole story. I mean, do you have examples when you can just clearly see that God was outlining this journey for you now when you look back, whereas maybe when it was happening, you were just kind of like this, what is happening right now? You know, it didn't feel like God was guiding anything in that moment. Right. So whenever I went back home, I I did go back into a home with substance abuse, like physical abuse. Um, my parents just their mental states just weren't the best. So I I was definitely on my own. I was alone. I became very depressed in my teenage years. And what kept me from calling people, I I honestly thought, like, if I went back into the foster system, I'd be put into a group home. Like, I'd be separated from my siblings. So that's what kept me from calling and talking and talking about, like, what was going on at home. So by my sophomore year, I I just – I tried to fill the void – and the pain. So I, I drank a lot. I, I, you know, I partied a lot. I just, I was in that kind of stage of my life. And I thought, because I had gone into it thinking I can do this, like I can do it myself. Like I don't need anyone. Like I can take care of myself. And, and what was the Lord doing? I mean, I was literally turning into the people that I said I would never become, which were my parents. And it was such a humiliating thing I was literally at my lowest point, like just drinking all the time, pushing people away. Like my siblings were at home. Like I was out doing things like who was taking care of them? Like, and he had to show me like, you cannot do this on your own. Like, look at you. Like I needed him. And it took that to realize that I needed a family. And, and whenever I met them at Carabas, this was the stage of life I was in. Like I was partying. I was still this person. And like a week later, who shows up at school? A DCS worker. Whose house do I go to? I go to their house. Who's my guardian? Well, I'm the same one from the first case. Who knows my story? My caseworker, because I have the same one. It was just, it was, it was the Lord written all over it. For anyone who's thinking about foster care, you know, just including me and Ryan, we have thought about it several times. There's a lot of fears. There's a lot of anxiety over it. Um, what would your encouragement be to them, Amy? First thing that comes to mind is just, if you're married, you and your spouse have to be on the same page mm-hmm. from the beginning, that this is what we're called to do. Because 
it could be the hardest thing you ever do. And I know that's going to make everyone want to sign up and become a foster parent. You yeah. know, it's hard. Come <laughs> okay, join us. So I'm ready. Let's yeah, do it. <laughs> yeah. So there's an awesome book called Ready or Not by Pam Parrish. And it's a 30-day devotional. And it just walks you through. You learn more. But then you're able to ask each other questions mm-hmm. and really determine, is the Lord calling us to this? Because there's many ways to serve orphans. We know that's a biblical mandate. But not everyone's called to open their home. And I get that. Um, and so this this is an awesome resource just to help you decide as a couple, is this something that he's calling us to do? So I would say that is is very helpful. To the ones who think that it's too much of, of a process, will you all continue to foster? Like, are you yes. still taking kids? We are. I mean, there's a number that, you know, DCS is eventually going to say, and they have said before you have too many, so yeah. no more. But as long as the Lord calls us to do it, yeah. I mean, it's definitely our heart just to be available. Mm-hmm. So we've not closed our home. We mm-hmm. are open. So we'll see. Yeah. And the process, what's step one? to foster? Is it the path training classes? Yes. What's step one? Yes. So path training is step one. Step two would then be your home study. Okay. So you can gain information and training and not actually go through the full process, okay. right? And so sometimes it's that maybe you go through path and then you be that weekend respite mm-hmm. because I can tell you it's needed. Yeah. It is definitely needed. And not every weekend respite ends up like yours where right, you, right. you want the two by Sunday night. You're like, you're mine. I'm yes, keeping you. yes. The Lord could do that or yeah. maybe he wouldn't and you can just do weekend respite and that's a huge ministry to, to families. Mm-hmm. You definitely can do that. So path classes first and then the second is to do a home study. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So we end every episode with just one question, and it's, what are you so happy that someone did tell you about? Now, this can be anything. I mean, you can't say campers again because no one cares about camping, okay? Not on this podcast, they don't. Uh, But what's something that you all absolutely love that you're into right now? This can be a Netflix show. This can be a Starbucks drink. This can be a book. This can be something that God's taught you. I mean, you can be from the most mundane to one of the most serious things. What do you think? Okay, I wear this mascara. It's called L'Oreal Telescopic. I noticed. I'm and not going to lie to you. <laughs> I noticed that your eyelashes looked great. Well, thank you. It's my it's my favorite thing. And I remember like in seventh grade watching a YouTube video by Make It by Mandy 2-4. And she had this mascara. So what do I do? I go to Walmart and I buy this mascara. And I've used it since seventh grade. And it, I'm 18 now. It works and I, great. Well, thank you. It does. It Listen, does the job. Buy it, please. Oh, that's good. I'm, I'm almost like, out. I'm, Actually, I got the pink eye last week. So I had to throw my mascara out. Oh. So that means I do have to go buy some more go buy this i mean that's what happens when you have toddlers you get pink eye it's the worst. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so in addition to the mascara, I am so thankful that someone told me that mascara was made out of bat poop did you know that no it's not it is so i went organic is that real totally how do you know i don't know did you Why just read did, it on facebook i did not Amy, someone told it's me gotta that. be real my and then my six-year-old knew i don't know how <laughs> so did you know that no. Look, it's, it's not your favorite mascara anymore. It's your favorite. Huh? Aren't you going to be glad I told you? Well, listen, the sacrifice is worth it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Putting, smearing poop on my eye is great. Speaking of pink eye. Only a man could have come up with that. I, that is so true. Mm-hmm. But we did an episode on makeup. And oh. when you research what's in your makeup, it will make you not want to wear it. I mean, it is. I agree. I would rather be ignorant to it. I just, I need to not know. Because then I'm going to spend too much money on makeup. Yeah, I ended up like investing into. Because that organic stuff is expensive. It is. It is. But I guess it's worth it if you're not putting I just couldn't get past it. Every time I got ready the next morning, I was like, I can't believe I'm putting Here's another day putting bat poop on my eyes. We've learned a lot today. Well, guys, thank you so much for jumping on here with me. You tell your story so well, and I know that it will influence a lot of people who are walking into this stage of life. Next time you talk to me, I might have five more kids. 
Awesome. Maybe. I doubt it. I very well. I very much doubt it, but maybe like one more. I love ending every episode telling you how thankful I am for you, that you would take your time to listen to what we're trying to do here. So if you loved it, or even if you have feedback, I want to hear about it. You can either hop on over to iTunes and leave us a review or... You can just DM me on social media. Usually I'm on Instagram the most. It's at C.E. Holla. And again, I love hearing from you guys. So make sure you either write a review or send me a DM, which always seems a little bit desperate asking for it. But here I am asking anyways. Thanks again for tuning in.